friend mr crazy man jody white hey folks how's it going good jody what's going on man uh not really all that much i'm trying to check to make i'm trying to look up to make sure that we're on episode eight right now because yeah. i'm pretty sure we're on episode eight but i'm not 100 percent sure yeah about i'm 95 percent sure that it's episode eight as well but i mean the good news is they're starting to blend together we're getting uh this is becoming an every week thing, and you know we don't even know what episode it is anymore. But I'm pretty sure it's episode eight. It's episode eight. I yeah. can confirm that. Yeah, and we're back from Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, we, we had How a was break. your holiday. Uh it was all right. It could have been better because I was really hoping to get to fish. Yeah, um, last we had heard, you were uh, planning on going out for at least a day or two on Champlain. How'd that turn out? Well, we had some weather-based mishaps in that the stupid lake was frozen. And we had some motor-based mishaps in that once we got to our backup lake, uh, motor wouldn't start. So, that's that. Hashtag winter fishing probs. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, more like we need to do a little work on the temperature sensor or something in the motor so that it'll crank when it gets cold out. Because it cranks fine when it's 40 degrees. <laughs> Not so much when it's 27. Well, you didn't get to get out fishing, but did you enjoy your time at home? I mean, you've been here in Minnesota for a few months now. It had been a while since you'd been back, right? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I hadn't been back in Vermont since uh, June. Oh, wow. That long. Yeah, because, you know, I, I took time off to go fish in the uh, College Bass National Championship. Sure. And that was in August or whatever, and I only flew into, like, North Carolina for that and then drove down to Georgia and met the family. I didn't... Uh, I I wasn't I didn't go back home. Wow. Okay. So had to have been nice then, just you know, staying in the old bed, enjoying all the comforts of uh, basically the place you grew up. Oh yeah, it's great to be home. My bed at home is really comfy. <laughs> uh, definitely, it's more comfortable than the bed I have here. To be honest, although I don't know why, considering I spend a lot more time in bed here than I do at home. <laughs> I should work on that. <laughs> Well, we're glad you made it back. Uh, we were a little worried. Obviously, the uh, inclement weather during your travels and then to start this week as well. I mean, tons of snow and really cold here in Minnesota. Do you guys see this kind of stuff in Vermont? Well, yeah, in the wintertime. Okay. Is it this bad, though? I mean, it's it was pretty nasty yesterday, which is why the podcast is coming out a day late, by the way. My apologies to everybody, but... Yeah, because it would have taken you, like, hours and hours and hours to get to work, right? Yeah, I drive... My commute's about an hour and ten minutes, usually one way, but yesterday it would have easily been three hours and just wouldn't have been worth my time to sit in the car that long. So, yeah, Chad was cool, my boss was cool, and uh, let me work from home. It turned out nice. There you go. Jody held down the fort at the office, so thanks. Yeah, I tried to get away several times. (laughs) It was very rambunctious. (laughs) Anyways, uh, we've got a great show on tap episode eight we got dave lefebvre joining us he's going to be uh talking ice adventures i'm sure yeah i imagine so and i imagine also some 2014 stuff and i know we have a whole bunch of questions for him yeah great response on questions this week it helped that dave uh 
pushed it pretty hard himself. But, I mean, this is most questions we've had from our fans by far. Yeah, they've really wanted to be asked questions, I guess. Yeah, it was cool. He, so. didn't, he didn't trust us to ask them. <laughs> well, we got a lot of cool stuff to ask him. Uh, what's going on in the news this week? Really not a whole lot. I mean, it's, it's slim pickings. Yeah, Thanksgiving week, everybody's... Uh, Enjoying the family, not everybody's working, you know, especially these anglers. Yeah, I mean, Clayton Bats and Troy Hollowell went ahead. They signed deals with Denali. Um, yeah, that's kind of cool news. They're both going to be fishing the tour this year as pros. Yeah, they two co-anglers that are moving up the ranks, moving over. And, uh, yeah, Denali Rods added them on to their staff. So that's pretty awesome that these, you know, first-year guys are getting some quality sponsors. Yeah, that's a good deal for them. And, I mean, today is the first day, the 5th. I don't know if you might be listening to this not on the 5th, but sure. the 5th is the first day where everybody can sign up for the FLW Tour. There's a couple days before that where people, you know, who have certain contingencies, who fished the Tour the year before, stuff like that, are allowed to sign up ahead of time, but now everybody can, and registration, you know, seems to be flowing in at a pretty good clip, I would say. Yeah, just monitoring social media, I mean, I've seen quite a few f- tweets coming along saying they've paid their deposits and they're in. So that's great news. Yeah, that's cool. I think we're going to have a really good field this year, actually, from some of, at least some of the sort of preliminary field lists that I've seen and some of the guys who I know obviously are coming back. I think it's going to be a good year. Sure. Well, no, yeah, we haven't even seen a field list yet, so we don't even know who's fishing the FLW Tour yet. But with the entries coming in, we should be uh, getting a list fairly soon. we got to start putting together fantasy fishing. So uh, coming up on one of these next future podcasts over the next few weeks, we're going to have to go in-depth on fantasy fishing, talk about all the changes that were g- g- being made and uh, what we're going to be doing next year. Yeah, it's actually, I mean, I know it's kind of a dead time now, but in the next month or so, it's going to start to ramp up pretty fast because, you know, January and the Everstart and then February and the Tour mm-hmm. on Okeechobee, that's that's all right, right around the corner. Yeah, I know fantasy fishing is planned on being launched right after the first of the year. So, I mean, we're under a month out already, and we're already picking our teams for the first event of the year. So, here it comes. Get ready. Well, yeah, and, you know, we've got Christmas thrown in there, too, and New Year's, and that's some, you know, more time off there. We're not thinking about work, necessarily. (laughs) So, with Christmas coming up, I don't know if you heard this or not. I know you're uh, fairly new still to Minnesota, but were you aware that the largest ice fishing show in the country was taking place in Minnesota this weekend? I was not aware. Yeah, the 21st annual St. Paul uh, Ice Fishing and Winter Sports Show. It's down at the River Center. It starts tomorrow. goes all weekend. But, yeah, there's going to be lots of great pros there. Uh, all, the, all the companies will be showing off their new gear, lots of seminars and giveaways, and it's going to be a fun time. I'm going to try to make it over tomorrow. We should try to talk Chad into uh, letting us out. Maybe at lunch or something, we go over there and schmooze with everybody as part of the FLWPR team, right? Um, sure, I guess. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm not totally on the <laughs> ice fishing bandwagon here, so. Come on. You were talking about getting a portable. Well, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. Oh. I, I talked myself away from that. <laughs> okay, sticking with the kayak. Well, I'm pretty well talked myself out of that, too. I've just talked myself into... <laughs> By the way, if anybody wants to buy a kayak, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> this guy needs a boat. But the ice fishing show uh, starts tomorrow, runs Friday, December sixth through Sunday, December eighth. Friday one to nine, Saturday ten to five, or Saturday eight to seven, Sunday ten to five. Where the uh, tickets are nine bucks. It's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to going. Do you like going to these sort of 
shows with I imagine they have like seminars and stuff and mm-hmm. some giveaways. It's I imagine kind of an ice fishing version of what you see at the Forestwood Cup every year. Do you like going to that kind of thing? Or does that does it get a little bit boring to you? Well, it depends on what you're going as. If I'm going as a fan and uh, getting to walk around and, you know, s- s- go to these seminars and uh, meet, the, meet the pros, see the latest gear, and just in- soaking it all in, I re- would really enjoy it. But when I have to go to one and I'm, you know, working per se, then I don't get to go to the seminars. I don't get to maybe uh, participate in the cool contests that all the fans get to do and stuff. So maybe not as enjoyable, but, I mean, anytime you get to go and just be around fishing the sport of ice fishing is is cool for cool with me yeah i think me personally i feel like to some extent once you've seen one you've seen them all and i've Mm -hmm. never seen a nice fishing one so i think maybe that might hold a lot more interest to me than just sort of going to a bass fishing thing sure but you know I'm, i'm not sure one thing that's really on my list that i would love to go that's a seminar show type thing is i'd like to go to bassathon out in california because they have just so many people who hand make really cool swim baits and stuff like that and they're just actual like works of art that i would like i'd like to see that and that is really new and interesting to me if ice fishing was as interesting to me as bass fishing i'm sure i'd be really interested in this well it is the biggest one in the country when is this bath bassathon Usually held. I've never even really heard of it. You know, I think they had it probably maybe a week or two weeks ago. I know. Oh, uh, so it was just recently. Yeah, it was just recently. They hold it every year. You know, I know uh, Brent Ayler talked at this one. He had a big long spiel about maximizing GoPros and how he uses how he gets the most out of that. And they have other guys who are experts on either a local tactic to them or just general fishing stuff. Plus, obviously. There's a whole lot of really unique bait makers out in that part of the country. Hmm. Well, sounds interesting. And, uh, yeah, you'll definitely have to check that out. It's right up at FLW's alley. So, I mean, talk to Chad. He's always cool with us going and that kind of stuff. So maybe uh, we take a trip out to Cali next year. Yeah, that would be kind of fun. I'd like to go out there. I know, uh, yeah, I imagine there'd be better weather there than here for sure. Well, being that it was a real slow news week... I put together a little game for us to play. Uh, I mentioned before, you know, we obviously rip off a lot of these ideas straight from the shows that we watch, you know, ESPN, Around the Horn, Pardon the Interruption, those kind of shows where we come up with these games. Uh, The game that I came up with today is called Odds Makers, where I've got uh, six questions here for you. I want you to give me a percentage, or basically odds, that this is going to happen. So basically, uh, I'll throw out a question, you tell me your your percent that you that you think it will be if you're correct you'll hear this sound if you're wrong so easy enough to play do you uh understand the rules well i do but here's the thing and maybe you can't tell me this because you would like me to be wrong because that's funnier but how are you arriving at the correct answer what what makes it a correct answer is it just you thinking whether it's correct or is there some sort of formula to let us well, know how do you know correct? you're even going to be wrong? Like, this discussion should be taking place maybe mid-game after you've got something wrong. So how do you know you're going to be wrong? Well, I don't know, to be honest. Oh, you kind of just ruined the bit. Uh, well, I'm sorry about that. 
Yeah. I'll stop asking questions and we can just do this. Then. Okay, yeah, let's just take it out. So, <laughs> Jody, you heard the buzzers. Are you ready to play? Oh, for sure. Okay. So now, the first question that I've got for you. First FLW Tour event of the year, Lake Okeechobee. What percent chance will the winning stringer top 100 pounds? It's happened a few, time in F- few times in FLW Tour history. I'm going to go 65%. 65%. I'm sorry, Jody. It's only 10%. Now, I want to know how you got that answer. <laughs> well, I've got this uh, super secret program on my computer. I can just punch in random questions. It's a big spreadsheet. It's really detailed. It's going to be super boring. The fans aren't going to want to hear it. But basically, I'm sure I'm right. It's actually 10%. 10% chance that uh, the winning stringer will be over 100 pounds. It's only happened four or five times in FLW Tour history. Do you really think that 10% is the way is the way to go, though? Like, do you? What do you think? Um, do you think I would say I would say higher? this computer program is pretty accurate. Okay, I but, think it's, but I think you it's never wrong. Know. <laughs> okay, so Jody's taking the over on 10%. Okay, so 0 for one. Sorry, Jody. The well, next question here, one that thing, we got for you. This is a testable question, so we can come back to this after Okeechobee and see who's smarter, Joe yeah. or the computer. Yeah, episode eight, mark it down in your calendars. We'll revisit this episode in uh, a few months. But I'm going to get schooled by this computer. <laughs> okay, question number two. What percent chance is there that Brent Ayler will overtake Scott Martin as the number two all-time leading money winner in FLW Tour history? All right, so I'm going to preface this with that you told me about this question ahead of time. Yeah, I, I let you do a little bit of homework here. And so. I, I went ahead and looked up how much money these guys have both won. Yeah, they're number two and three. I mean, Dudley's number one, of course, but yeah, these guys are two and three. They're both over the two million mark. In fact, they're only about 20000 apart. So either one of these guys could have a great season and the other guy could have a bad season and they could you know they could easily overtake one another or put up a pretty big gap between one another sure. obviously especially when you're talking about the kind of money that's available you know, if somebody wins the Forestwood cup there it goes right out the window um and these guys have both won a Forestwood cup on that subject two former Forestwood cup champions i'm gonna say that there's about a ah oh, man the way that Okeechobee one was so low has kind of thrown me in doubt because I <laughs> wanted to say this computer is very picky. I'll give you that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's hating on. I don't know. It's hating on my opinions. Is what it is. No. <laughs> I think there's probably about. I guess Jody, we need a percentage. I guess probably. Let's say 65% chance. I think I said that the last time, that Brent overtakes Scott Martin. So, better than, that's, so that's better than 50-50. And, I say, and the reason I say that is because if you look at it, I think Brent's won, the, th- I think he's won a tournament three years in a row, I think. And he's actually won five tournaments, and Scott Martin has won Maybe he's won six and Scott. There's like a one tournament win gap between, um, between the two. Sure. And Scott Martin's actually been fishing the tour for like five years longer than Brent Ayler has. So that's why I'm saying Brent has a pretty good chance to overtake. Okay. 
Is it 65%? Oh, I'm sorry, Jody. I told you. 50%. Oh, man, I was close. So you were close. The computer says that it's a 50-50 toss-up. I mean, yeah, like you said, these guys are two former Forestwood Cup champions. They're both, they win, usually win, you know, a tour event at least once every other year. I mean, Scott Martin won one 2012. Ayler's won one 2012 and 2013. These guys are both winning all time. It's basically the question is who's going to have a better season, and uh, the computer says it's fifty fifty. Now here's the thing: does that computer take into the take into account the it fact takes that in everything? Oh, that we're going to Hartwell this year? Yeah, yeah. I had to input the FLW tour schedule in this. Com- it's it's a <laughs> complex program. I'm telling you, Jody. I think I really think that I, I think one big thing that would be the difference maker here is do you think that Brent has figured out Florida because last year was really his first ever good finish at Florida where he almost could have won the tournament so I think if he I'm betting that he's a good enough fisherman that he's got something figured out in Florida and that he's not going to bomb that tournament and if he doesn't bomb that tournament then he's probably going to win that Hartwell event again and I think once he does that, I think once he does that, boom, there you go. He's overtaken Scott Martin. All right. I, I like your passion. Just a few short months, and uh, we will see. I mean, you definitely, I can't say you're wrong. It, it, it will be interesting. The computer, however, says that there is a 50% chance, so you may be right. All right. I mean, I can live with that. They're both good fishermen. Okay. Question number three. What percent chance is there that Andy Morgan can repeat as Kellogg's Angler of the Year in 2014. Well, I'm going to go probably maybe a 3% chance. 3%? Yeah. Wow. Mm. I'm sorry, Jody. The computer says 30%. Oh, that seems I way w- high. I want to hear th- what uh, the 3% argument is. You think 3 out of 10 times he would win Angler of the Year? I don't, Jody. The computer does. Well, I think the computer's wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. He's a super good fisherman, right? But... Look at the other guys who are going up against. He's going up against. You got David Dudley. He's won back to back at the end of the years. And sure, like you've got Brent Ayler who may have figured out Florida. You still got Jason Christie. Brian you've got Thrift. Thrift. You've got Tharp. There are yeah. You've no, got absolutely. Wheeler who's due. I mean, I just think there's so many other really good fishermen right now that I have a hard time saying that anybody's going to repeat Angler of the Year for the next five years. I mean, I think that has to, things have to go extraordinarily right for that to happen. I mean, Andy Morgan's awesome, but I, the, just the odds don't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't, I'm not buying 30%. All right. I, you've sold me. I agree with you. This computer's <laughs> a little screwy, but yeah, it is. What, what do I know? It's, this is what the commuters tell me. So I'm sorry. You're so far, you're over three, but there's still a few left. <laughs> We can still make this happen, Jody. We can still get you at least to 500. I don't so, think so. So, okay. What percent chance, this is question number four, by the way. What percent chance is there that Mark Rose or Randy Haynes will win an FLW Tour event in 2014? Hmm. Well, they've got Pickwick. Both are good ledge guys. And they've got Kentucky Lake. Yes, and we'll have uh, two ledge tournaments 100% suiting their style of fishing. One thing that I would like to sort of sort of aside to this, we had the Tuesday Tour update come out where I think Brett talked to Mark Rose, and Rose said that basically people were catching up to him. 
He's still mm-hmm. a really good ledge fisherman, mm-hmm. but the rest of the field had caught up to some extent because they had really started utilizing technology like you know, Lawrence structure scan and stuff like that. Sure. They started utilizing started it. Started figuring it out. Effectively, like he had, like he did early. So even though those are both ledge lakes and he and Randy Haynes are super good at those lakes, I almost wonder if maybe they're so good at those lakes that they might take away from each other a little bit at the same time. And there's so much good competition. So I wanted to say, like, when I first thought about it, I kind of wanted to be like, oh, well, there's, you know, 100% chance that these guys are going to win one of these, that some one of those guys is going to get a win. But I really think it's probably more like maybe 25%. Oh, my God. The computer agrees to do 25% is oh, the exact reading. Well, nice work. That computer knows something All for right. once. <laughs> it knows something for once. Okay. It didn't know anything the other time. So, yeah, you're one for four. Perfect. And we've still got uh, two questions left. You may be hitting 500 here. Cool. Okay, okay. Question number five. What percent chance is there that in 2014 we will see our first ever two-time Forestwood Cup champion? Meaning... A previous Forestwood Cup champion will win in 2014. 100%. Book it. 100% chance. Let me check the computer. Yeah, it's not going to be 100%. No. (laughs) But here's the thing. Nowhere close to 100%. I'm sorry, Jody. The computer says 15%. There will be a 15% chance. I mean, I can can buy that. That makes sense. (laughs) I just think somebody's going to be a two-time winner. I think... But Murray sets up awesome for Jacob Wheeler because it's a lake that last time was one shallow. He's a super versatile guy. He can fish shallow. You know, we've we're built. We're getting to that point in time now where there have been enough Forestwood Cup winners, mm-hmm. and so many of them are so good that I think the odd. I really think the odds are in favor of somebody doing it again. At the same time, Brian Thrift doesn't want a Forestwood Cup. So yeah, there's a lot. Of, you know, there's, there's a, lot a lot of really good, good guys who haven't won one place. yet who are probably yeah. due as well. I like the bold prediction, though. 100. percent I'm loving these strong opinions coming from it, you. Today, I think it's going to happen. Yes. Okay. So unfortunately, you didn't get that one right. So we are one for five. All right, but I can go two for six, right? You can. You can. Uh, the last question here, kind of leading into our upcoming interview, um, Jody. Question six. What percent chance is there that Dave LaFever is going to talk some ice fishing in our upcoming interview? Hmm. I'm going to go 100%. Is it 100%? Oh! Two for six, Jody. You know Not how bad. I knew that? Because I knew I'd be able to ask him about ice fishing, and he would answer about ice fishing. Ah, I so had, you can excuse I've got impression. the inside track on this. I've rigged, I rigged that bet. Well, see, the thing is, the computer took that into consideration. It knew that you would be doing the interview, so it knew that it was 100%. The computer Bingo. took that into consideration. So, nice work. Two for six. Thanks for playing odds makers. What do you think? Well, I think that computer doesn't know crap. <laughs> If well, I only went two for six, it's wrong, definitely. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just the host. You don't hate on the computer guy. Oh, I'm not hating on you. I'm hating on the computer. No, I know. <laughs> well, with that being said, should we uh, get Lefebvre on the phone and talk yeah. some ice fishing? Yeah, for sure. I think we should call him up. All right. Let's get him on the stick. 
So we just tried calling Dave, and it ended up going straight to his voicemail, and we're going to recall him back, but you guys have to hear this voicemail. Jody. That's probably one of the, maybe, what, top five? Oh, easily. Best possible voicemails to have. That was hilarious. I was really confused at first, but once I figured it out, it was awesome. So here, everybody, is Dave Lefebvre's voicemail. Call him This is Jimmy Houston. Dave's busy out trying to catch a fish right now. He told me for you to leave your name, you leave your telephone number, and you tell him what you're calling about. And if he catches any fish and is in a really, really good mood, he will call you back. At the tone, please record your message. Yeah, we need to say that. Finished recording. You may hang up or press one for more options. And now we're joined by Dave Lefebvre, who's got. Maybe the best voicemail message ever. <laughs> Maybe a top five. Dave, could you just explain how you came by, how that happened, <laughs> the circumstances? Well, I, uh, you know, I just work on my impressions a lot, and that was my best Jimmy Houston. You know, he's one of my heroes, and spent a lot of time trying to get it perfect. It was really no, good. I, really no, good. a few years ago, I was actually Jimmy on me. I, um, you know, walked around with my mp4 recorder and and got as many of the old veterans as i could you know my lifelong heroes and got them to do me a little voicemail so i've got a lot of other ones on file that i'm going to be switching to but that jimmy houston one's so popular i'm kind of you know do it as long as i can so who's your next who's your next guy what's your next voicemail going to be Oh, I can't give that away but I, i've got like uh it's tough i to got george cochran on there i've got a couple of the other ones. I've got a Dudley on there. If you can imagine that one. <laughs> um, so uh, well, I don't. I don't. I don't really know who the next one's going to be. But I think I got like six or seven of them recorded. So that's an awesome idea. That, <laughs> that is a really great idea. I mean, I've got Chris Jones as my ringtone, but Jimmy <laughs> Houston for your voicemail absolutely tops that. Definitely. <laughs> So, Dave, what's been going on? Uh, obviously, we've see, we're seeing on Facebook the Erie Ice Adventures. Uh, you guys fishing up there yet? No, we're not through the ice. I was actually out in the boat yesterday. So um, we've got 60, I think it's 65 of the high today. So it's kind of messing me up on the on the drilling. Um, but but we're, we're looking at some cold temperatures coming. I think maybe by two weeks or so we'll be... I hope at least I'll be out there <laughs> with my life jacket on, trying to <laughs> trying to find some at least some three inch ice. You know, we we don't usually get on the ice before Christmas around here, so it's been years since we've, we've done that, and it looks like we're going to get it this year. So I couldn't come in a better time. You know, starting the Erie Ice Fishing Adventures and stuff. It's uh, flying off the hook, so looking forward to it. It sounds like a really cool concept that not a whole lot of people are doing talk about exactly what it is i mean it's a guide service with you right yeah i mean primarily it's a it's just uh it was kind of a promotional idea that i had a few years ago you know i've I've been involved in fishing my whole life and and you know and getting prepared for my pro career you know 15 years ago and even back beyond that um I just had a lot of opportunities to, to, to meet with writers and stuff like that. And over the years, I've just been doing a lot of, I don't want to call it free press, but I mean, I've just been doing a lot of pan fish and ice fishing type 
articles and, and magazines and covers mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff. And and just a few years ago, I thought, you know, I'd be, I'd be, uh, you know, something to take advantage of. And uh, since I love it so much, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, most of the other guys I know, it's kind of like their hunting is their second career. And ice, ice fishing is just, you know, I've just been passionate about it my whole life. So that's basically how it started. And then, and then the guide service just kind of, you know, I've kept some contacts over the years, people that wanted to go and people were offering me money that I couldn't really accept it. You know, you got to get a license to do it. And so I, uh, you know, I just sent some feelers out there and booked half a dozen trips and, and, uh, got it all legal, set it up as a business. And now, um, it's just snowballing. It's, it's actually a surprise. It's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be an action packed winner. I'll tell you that. That's pretty cool. I know we got a bunch of sort of fan questions from your page. We got some emails in. Joe, Quite a few you, ice, fishing, ice fishing questions as well. Yeah. Do you want to jump into those, see where that takes us, and then if we have some questions at the end of the interview, go to that? Sure. Sure, whatever. All right, Joe, I know you've got them all written down. Why don't you go ahead okay. and start the first one, I guess. Uh, the first question for Dave is coming from Arnie in Warroad. Arnie asks, when you're ice fishing and you're visiting a new lake for the first time, how, how do you break down the new water? Is it similar to how you would break it down in open water? And what do you look for? Okay, I'm going to have to give Arnie a link to my guide service. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we charge for that kind of information now. <laughs> All right, uh, so Arnie, check out Erie Ice Fishing Adventures on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, go under go under seas. No, um, I mean that's a good question. It's just like it's just like any other, you know. It's just like bass fishing. You know, you gotta kind of understand the species you're targeting, which for me is probably eighty percent crappie. Um, so you, you, just a basic awareness of, of of their seasonal patterns, and um, the, the good thing is it's narrowed down for you compared to bass fishing. You know, we have to know what they're doing at all stages of their uh, yearly cycle, but with ice fishing, it's always during the winter, um, and it's always a pre-spawn type of thing. So, um, you, you know, you're, you're just trying to do a, you got to narrow down your species first of all, and then, and then figure out those uh, those seasonal patterns, and then go from there. You know, um, for me, you know, with the crappie, it's it's about, um, you know, finding those deeper water basin type of areas a lot of times those fish set up out there early ice and then as it gets later in the season they start to move up into uh you know bays maybe grass beds or closer to up on the lips of creek channels or the ends of points on brush piles and stumps and stuff like that so um that's that's basically how i how i begin you know i just like bass fishing start with a map and um of course you know there's some some other extraordinary things i do like I, you know, I kind of know the lakes I want to ice fish on, and um, I do a little scouting out there in the boat before I sell it at the end of the year and run around and, you know, take my Lorance handheld out there. You know, you got all those fancy HDX units, and uh, but I take the handheld, the actual one that I'm going to ice fish with, and I get out there walking and, um, you know, just punch in different things that I find in the areas that I think should hold fish and stuff like that. And, visually look at grass beds and, you know, look for holes in the grass and mark those and, and things like that. So, I mean, you can 
take it as far as you want it. I, I would say to Arnie too, you know, there's there's groups of guys out there everywhere, and usually when there's a group, there's there's fish around there. So that's not the way I recommend to do it, but you can certainly <laughs> get a head start that way. Sure. All right, good stuff. The next question we've got is from Sean, and it's not really an ice fishing question, but where do you think the fishing industry has changed the most, and where do you think professional fishing is headed? And, I mean, I guess you could take that in just the last year if you wanted to or just over your whole career. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a, a good time to be right in the smack middle of it, I can tell you that. Um I have no idea where it's going to head. I, I feel like something's about to bust loose. Um, that's a pretty involved question. <laughs> uh, but, but um, you know, I like where it's at. I think, you know, things are, are always evolving and changing. And I mean, I'm just going along for the ride, I guess. I don't really know how else to answer that question. Okay. Uh, Mickey Montoya asked via Facebook, Dave, do you fish for walleye? If so, what's your biggest, and how many have you caught that are over 10 pounds? Um, my biggest is actually one that I didn't weigh, but I've caught maybe six or seven, half a dozen or more over 11 pounds, and wow. maybe, I don't know, 25 plus over 10 um, you know, I just I live right on the shores of, of Lake Erie, and um, I don't get to do it a whole lot anymore. So most of these fish I'm talking about were 10 years ago or, or earlier. The biggest one I ever caught was when I was only 15. So, uh, yeah, I do it sometimes. I don't do it as much as I used to, um, but I'm not targeting huge ones when I go now. I'm targeting the, you know, we eat fish, and a lot of times I'll, I'll keep you know, walleyes and, and smaller ones and go out and just try to catch those 18 to, you know, 21 inches. But yeah, I like it. I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing to do, you know, especially this time of year before the, the lakes freeze. That's what I was doing yesterday. Matter of fact, I posted a picture of one I caught yesterday on a shad wrap in the evening. So, um, yeah, I'm into it. All right. All right. So, uh, Noah Heck says, what is the best all-purpose drop shot rig for someone new to the technique? Say that, say that one more time. You cut out on me. What's the best all-purpose drop shot rig for someone new to the technique? Or if they were going to learn how to drop shot, how would you tell them to learn? Um, just just keep it simple. Um, you know, I guess going back to your, one of the questions earlier about how the sport is changing, but um, one of, one of the main things is social media, obviously, and and that's one of the good things about a question such as that. You know, it's a it's a pretty heavy question, but you can keep it simple and and looking on, uh, you know, drop shutters. You know, you want to look at the best drop shutters in the world, Brandon Hiller and um, Cody Meyer and those guys from out west, and and you can you know get them their their uh, social media pages and find the answers to those questions there's you know for me i do it a lot on lake erie so so mostly my specialty is um you know targeting huge over over average size smallmouth um, so my depending on what noah is interested in fishing for that's what he wants to kind of look 
look at, you know, on the internet. You know, for me, you know, keeping it basic is real important. You don't have to get crazy with it. You know, six pound test, period. You don't need lighter. You don't need heavier. Um, you know, an open hook, uh, or, a or a Texas rig hook is, is one thing you gotta determine what you, what you're looking for. You know, whether you need to be in a snag resistant hook or just an open nose hook. And, uh, and the only other thing I can say off the top of my head, um, uh, is, you know, I don't use the, the pinch on weights. You know, I, I tie, I use a VMC tungsten cylinder. I mean, if you're going to start doing it, you might as well have the best stuff. So that's what I use and, and just tie that knot directly to the cylinder. That's uh, a pretty good tip. And I think a lot of the best drop shutters that I know are tying their weights on. Um, but do you use the Again, spin I could talk about that for two hours. <laughs> do you use the spin shot hooks from VMC, or do you like to tie your hook on and do it that way? No, I'm using, we're getting technical, but um, I do use that hook. It's a brand new hook that came out. I started messing with it, with it this year. I kind of chronicled my success with it on, on Facebook a little bit. And uh, the first time I used it in tournament competition was actually um, in a Bassmaster event out of Sandusky, close to my house. And I can't remember, I think I finished third. But I, but I was using that hook for the first time in competition. So um, love, I absolutely love the hook. And it's, you know, it's designed to keep that, uh, you know, whatever bait you're using nose hook from, from twisting your line. And we use a lot of Gobi-type imitation baits. And... Um, you know, shad-shaped worms and things like that, that that have a tendency to twist your line if you don't have that spin shot. And and there's a lot of them on the market, by the way, a lot of different styles. But the reason I like that particular one is just it's, you know, minimal hardware. It's something I've preached throughout my career. You know, the less hardware you have, you know, you just want that bait to look as natural as possible. So that's why I like that one. Okay. Dave, Jody and I were talking earlier, and we mentioned that uh, today basically is the first day that sign-up is open for everybody on the FLW Tour. Uh, one of the questions that we came in was or that came in was from Jim Morgan. Uh, Jody and I know the answer, but Jim asked, are you fishing Okeechobee in February? He wants to meet you, and uh, what would be the best way for you know these fans at the FLW Tour events to uh, approach you and you know get some pointers? Well, I, I thought I've already met Jim Moyne. He was he fished the FLW tour, didn't he? The, no, <laughs> Jim Morgan, not Moyne. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Moyne, Jim Morgan. Yes, I will be at that tournament. Um, I, 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 he's going to be coming to that event. I assume I, I missed the second part of that. I'm getting some weird static going on. Oh, here. sorry about that. He just basically wanted to know. Uh, What's the best way to meet you? Or is there any time that you guys don't like to be approached? No. Um, just, you know, when I'm sleeping. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I, I mean, the best, the best way to do that, I mean, that's, that's a great thing about FLW and, and, and the pro anglers. You know, I've heard it time and time again. You know, they're very approachable. And, um, you know, we, we weigh in. It's, it's pretty much wide open. You know, come to the weigh-in would be the best way in. Stand there at the bottom of the stage and wait for me to walk down. That's that's what I used to do. <laughs> okay, there you go, Jim. So Steve Chaconis, Chaconis, yeah, 
he wants to know what modifications you make to crankbaits. So do you have any crankbait tricks up your sleeve? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there, there's, there, you know, these, these questions are like, we could do articles on all these questions. They're good questions, but pretty intense, pretty intense. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things as far as you know trying to keep it basic and and simple. The first things that come to my mind are, you know, simply uh, usually most crankbaits come with uh, hooks that are just a tiny bit smaller than what I would personally prefer. So I'm trying to get maybe a little bit bigger size on there. Um, VMC also makes a you know a short shank treble if my crankbaits don't have that particular hook I, I want those on there um, so I'll, I'll change to those as far as any other modifications um, uh, it's something a little sneaky I do sometimes I mean I don't have to mess with paint jobs I, I, I use all the palette baits and um, you know I just I love a lot of their colors and, and, and some of the things that they didn't have they now do with the custom inks so um I don't really have to be painting stuff and all that kind of stuff, but um, the sneaky thing I do sometimes is, uh, you know, take some real heavy-duty scissors and, and, and cut cut lips, you know, mess around with, you know, maybe making a round bill, a square bill, or making a square bill, a coffin bill, um, or making a, you know, like a, I use a, a fat three, it's called by Rapala, it's a real fat wobbling bait. You can cut that lip down and make it like a, you know, dive a little shallower. Um, so, uh, as far as like things that might be out of the ordinary, that would be one, one thing how I modify some base. Okay. Roger Selvi wants to know, what is your favorite resort on Table Rock Lake? I think this may be a <laughs> trick question, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the Lighthouse Lodge. Of course. Ah, okay. Oh uh, yeah. It's right there in Kimberling City. We've been staying there for years and, and, uh. Dang, Roger might just happen to be the owner of that place. I'm not sure. <laughs> I kind of had uh, a little bit of a feeling. That was a setup. There. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, I recognize a couple of these names you're throwing at me, actually. But Ro- Roger, you know, we've been staying there for a long time, and, and they take real good care of us and, and, and any fisherman that comes in there. So um trying not to sound like an advertisement, but a uh, <laughs> great place to stay when you're, when you're in that area. It's kind of centrally located and everything. So, um, And plus they cook for us. There you go. There you go. Huge bonus. Hey, so Joe and I, just before your interview, we were talking, and we figured you might know this, or you might be able to break it down a little bit for us. Could you maybe explain the differences between a snap wrap, a jigging wrap, and then the jigging shad wrap? Did I get all those names right, Yeah. Yeah. Well. Because they all look pretty much the same. Yeah, they're they're not though. They're completely different. The uh, the jigging, I'll be honest. The jigging shad wrap, I haven't had the luxury of putting in the water yet. We've had two years with no ice where I live, Oof. which is unheard of. So um, I haven't. I got a box full of them, and I can't wait. I've caught some in the open water. Just you know, just looking at it to see how it how it looks in the water. But that that one is going to be super strong it's just so compact and it's going to be a real good crappie bait you know especially when they're suspended and maybe turned off a little bit it seems like um you know a little bit more aggressive 
behavior with your bait sometimes triggers those, you know, like a reaction bite from those tougher to catch ones. Um, the the snap wrap, you know, again we're in the same boat. I I haven't had much time to to play with it, um, but I did have some of those left on my fist, and 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 we we catch a lot of walleyes on those. Um, it's a it's a little bit bigger bait. I can get it, you know, down pretty fast. I like I like the the fall rate of it. And it's just that they're they're all completely different and and they all work. You know, I've been using the uh the regular repellent jigging wrap for a long time. And you you know, I always thought about different things they could do to uh to to modify them or or, you know, I mean, they just work so good. And you always thought, man, if I had one that just looked like a shad wrapper, I mean, it just seems like they're thinking of everything. So um, not the expert in that category yet, just because of the, the, the situations we've had here the last few winters. But, um, you know, just be, you know, watch, watch my uh, Facebook page because, like I said, I've got a bunch of them in stock and, and I'm going to be uh, really, really putting them to the test this winter. And it's kind of one of the things I'm most excited about trying, actually. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I noticed that they were on your uh, feature blog that actually was just on the FLW Outdoors site today. It's basically your Christmas gift guide, and uh, it was on there, and it's definitely on my Christmas list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe down great at Okeechobee. Huh? I was going to say, maybe down at Okeechobee we can catch up, and you'll have figured these things out, and you'll be able to tell us. By then, yeah, we should be experts. <laughs> all right next question for you dave tammy in vermont asks that's my mom <laughs> yeah jody's mom sent in a question having fished in pennsylvania for most of your life did you feel any sort of disadvantage when trying to compete in the south against many who've been fishing the southern lakes their whole lives um you know at first i, I can say honestly i did i don't know if it was more of the the anglers or just visiting some of those favorite places like Seminole and, uh, you know, Gunnersville and Kentucky Lake and those places I've read about for so long. I think it was more the intimidation came from just, you know, the waterways. Sure. Um, but, no, I've, I've never felt – I've always tried to look at the positive things and, and always tried to look at growing up in Pennsylvania as a, as a better training ground than, than most people – were afforded you know I, I just have so many um different types of fisheries that i can be at within a two hours of my house that um i felt like i was ready for anything you know but some of those lakes were you know there's different grasses and things uh you know shoreline grass hyacinths and some things that we do not have uh here so i mean maybe the first year or two you know trying to duplicate the closest I could, uh, you know, with some of the local fisheries and things. But but as far as, you know, bass fishing, it, a bass is a bass is a bass. And, um, you know, you can get all worked up about the anglers, the local guys at Gunnersville or the local guys at Kentucky or wherever. Um, but but in, in the end, you know, you, it's about you trying to figure out how to catch the, big, the biggest fly fish you can every day. And, um, you know, we can all look at the standings and you see, guys that just dominate in their area but when it comes to a four-day tournament you know you can beat those guys so i guess you just have to do it a time or two to develop that confidence and not be focusing on the negatives okay so one question i have is 
regarding the 2014 season, we're going back to Kentucky Lake where you won, I think, the last time we were there. The cup is going to be on Murray, assuming you qualify for that again, which I guess that's nothing you can assume, but hopefully you qualify for that again. You finished third when we were at Murray last time, I think, for the cup. Do you have something you're most looking forward to in the 2014 season? Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, to be honest, I'm just looking forward to that very first one. I just cannot wait to get down to Florida. So I'm always excited about that one. Um, and it's hard to, to get all psyched up about Murray. Um, I hate even thinking about that tournament. I missed a million dollars by a pound or something. It was just Ugh. sick. But, um, I, I mean, I'm obviously excited about that one, but going going to these places every year, it's just completely different. You know, Kentucky Lake's not going to be the same. When you do well in a tournament, no matter if you finish ninth or, or win, uh, if you make that top 10 and you fish those two extra days on the weekend, uh, you know, you're, those, those spots are history. So uh, the, the styles of the fisheries that we're fishing next year, I mean, I love Kentucky Lake. I love Okeechobee. Um, I, I like the whole schedule. So, um, I can't really pick a favorite, but, but you're right. Lake Murray is, you know, I feel like if there ever was a lake I wanted to get back, it was that one. You know, I had to fish to win it, get, get off so many times throughout that, those last two days and at the cup. So I guess I'm aggravated at that place and can't wait to get back there. And, Are there any stops on tour? in 2014 that you're really not looking forward to are not excited to fish? Uh, I cringe for some reason every time I see Beaver Lake, <laughs> but that's just something I, you know, I have to go there and, <laughs> and get her done no matter what it is. I, 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 I all the lakes that we go to that are clear and, uh, you know, the spotted bass play mm-hmm. and there's a, you know, those are the type of lakes I, I, I didn't, I wouldn't care if I'd never seen one again. Um, but I, but I've led Beaver in the past, and, and I'm learning it a little bit better. I'll tell you, I'm, I just feel the whole season is just exciting to me. It, you know, ma- mainly you know we're we're doing it without the umbrella rig for the first time next year, and uh, it's been a uh, a thorn in my side for two years on lakes like Beaver and Hartwell and uh, places like that. So um, I, I feel like a newborn baby. I'm ready to get out there and catch them on one bait at a time. It's going to be refreshing and exciting. I can't wait. Dave, I know you're very, very good on social media. You're probably one of the best anglers on FLW Tour, keeping your fans updated, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I believe you're even on Instagram. But are you going to be uh, taking advantage of the new rules that allow you to update your fans during the tournament? Yeah, I definitely plan to. Um, you know, every year – you know, there's just so many goals you have each year, and I can see how that might hinder some of them. You know, I, I really want to crack it anywhere of the year. I've been close so many times, and starting with a clean slate, that's all you focus on, you know, is, is making the cup sure. call, you know, trying to get that angle of the year. So, uh, But at the same time, I, I see the importance of social media, and, I, uh, I'm, it, you know, it's not a drag to me. I enjoy it. So um, I'm going to try to figure out some ways and, and try to, to push the envelope, but I – I don't really know how yet, you know, I, um, I, I'm one of those guys that wants to, you know, when I catch a fish, it tells me something. I want to be focused on getting in the live well as quick as I can and making that next cast. So, um, it's going to be an interesting 
you know, an interesting new twist to the permanent day. But uh, yeah, yeah, and somewhere or another, I'm definitely going to plan to take advantage of that, whether it's help from my co-angler, which I definitely don't expect, or, you know, uh, you know, I want him to be able to focus on his day too. But, um, well, you know, we'll just take one tournament at a time, I guess. Do you have any other questions, Joe? Because I I'm a little bit tapped out on question wise. <laughs> yeah, I think I feel we, like can, we asked a whole bunch. We've probably taken enough of Dave's time here. We're nearing the half hour mark, so we could let him go. I mean, Dave, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate all your uh, insight and look forward to seeing you again in just a few short months. Okay, it was my pleasure. Had a lot of fun. Where can fans keep up with you? Plug your uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that real quick. Yeah, um, Facebook slash Dave Lefebvre. Twitter is the same. Um, those are probably the best places. Of course, I got that Erie Ice Fishing page going now, and um, we're going to kind of focus more during the winter months in, in that area. So uh, um, that's about it. DaveLefebvre.com. I do a um, a lot of blogs, you know, for FLW once a month, and then we'll be doing the on tour recaps throughout the whole season next year. So, whole bunch of stuff going on. But but Facebook's the best bet. You know, I'm I'm pretty much active on there every day and get a get a zillion private message questions and i welcome those so uh that's about it all right well dave good luck in 2014 and i hope you get some ice soon so you can get out on it okay i'll keep you posted on that all right thanks for coming on happy holidays dave you too thanks all right so joe we just wrapped up our dave lefebvre interview and while we were waiting for it to save and process we found out that Rapala makes Angry Birds crankbaits, which is maybe the best thing ever. <laughs> and also, you didn't get to ask Dave about those. We didn't. We should have. That would have been. I don't know. I'm sure he knows what it is. It's a cultural phenomenon right now. Yeah, bank it. Okeechobee winning bait already. We can we can pre-write the news release, right? Oh, easy yeah. for sure. Winning winning bait. That would be actually hilarious, though, if somebody did really well on something like that. On the Rapala. Well, no, on the Rapala Angry Birds baits. I okay. So, side note, we should have asked him. Yeah, we we really we really should have asked how he says it. Do you think he said it at all during the interview? Where when you go back and you know format everything that you're going to maybe be able to hear it? Because I don't recall him saying it. I'm probably about seventy five percent sure he said it somewhere, and I just didn't. I didn't, didn't think anything of it at the time. This would be a really cool poll on the FLW Facebook page. Like, if if we could do it, is it Rapala or Rapala? It's Rapala. Come on. <laughs> I, I think you're wrong. I'm. I don't know. Look, I if I'm like right, we... you're just trying to mislead <laughs> the country here. You're. This is. You gotta stay away from that. Anyways, it was a great interview with Dave. Either way, lots of great insight there. Yeah, did you have anything that stuck out of, out about it? Anything you liked the best? Uh, well, just for my own personal reasons, the whole uh, shad rap discussion, what snap rap, jigging shad rap, or the jigging rap. You know, I, I use I use the jigging shad rap and the jigging rap. I don't really know what the difference is, but I know that I catch a lot of fish on them. So I was really interested in uh, hearing what the difference was. I'm excited to see what Dave produces this winter and uh, how it works out for him. Yeah, because I haven't used the jigging shad wrap. I've used the jigging wrap 
and I've used the snap wrap. Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you the snap wrap and the and the uh, regular jigging wrap, if you put them in the water together and you start moving them around or letting them fall mm-hmm. and stuff, you'll notice that difference right away. It's really, it's pretty incredible, actually, how just the slight change of a little piece of plastic can make it that different. Um, but yeah, I would like to see the shad wrap, the jigging shad wrap in action. I mean, I'll be honest, I would think that it would be more subtle than even the jigging wrap because it's kind of like more compact. The little fin that moves Mm -hmm. it doesn't look like it's as big, like it would push as much water around. And I honestly, I wish he'd had ice so he could have given us a clear answer as to this one does this and this one does He sounded a little bit depressed about it. I mean, obviously he hasn't had ice for two years over there, so. Yeah, which I find incredible that somebody could get as good at ice fishing as he is with the limited amount that he gets to do it. You know, he hasn't gotten to done it do it in the last two years i can assume years before that right he's, he's grown had, up with it yeah I, at the same time i can assume he's had a fairly short window to do it in if he doesn't get ice for two years that means probably your window is compressed as to how much you can ice fish but it sounds like he really puts his time in beforehand which is cool i think maybe i'm gonna go back to those docks on minnetonka where i've caught fish before and just fish those docks even though they're probably out of the water now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed the interview a lot. I appreciated his insight, and if I was ever in the Pennsylvania area, I would definitely be checking out Erie Ice Fishing Adventures because it sounds like a great day. Yeah, and I was... So the reason I had to ask about the Forestwood Cup is because, first off, I unknowingly, or earlier on... I gave him a 0% chance of winning the Forestwood Cup, the place where he finished yeah. in third place, which maybe in yeah, retrospect... you said 100% should... there would be a repeat champion. Yeah, in, right. retro- in retrospect, that might not have been a smart move because, you know, well, for obvious reasons. It might just be the, the computer knew it. Yeah, because I would say Dave LaFibra definitely has a chance. But definitely. it was... I think it would be really cool to see how he does in that tournament, assuming he qualifies again, because he did lose a lot of fish on the last two days of that event. He, um, you know, I recently reread the final day story, and it sounded, you know, kind of like pretty heartbreaking, similar to maybe when Ray Scheid had, I'm saying his name right, right? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Similar to the day that he had, I think on day three of the Forestwood yeah, Cup, he where he said he lost like 20 pounds worth of bass in the last four hours or whatever. It was that kind of tournament where you're just a little bit snake bit. And like David Dudley had in the Forestwood Cup on Lanier. So, you know, it, it certainly, I, he'll, I would imagine he's going to be really ramped up for that. Yeah, and he's excited for the season just because, I mean, the whole getting rid of the Alabama rig. He, of course, he was the most outspoken guy against it. And, I mean, there were quite a few tournaments that were won on the bait. And he, out of principle, wasn't throwing it. So, I mean, agree with it or not, you got to admire the guy for standing with his principles. And he now isn't facing that disadvantage this year, whereas he may have been the last two years. So it'll be an interesting season for the Kellogg's Frosted Flakes Pro, that's for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's a little crazy not to throw it. But I'm you sure know he what? does for fun. I, I admit. Oh, you think he does? Oh, we should have asked. But I'm sure he's thrown it in his career. Like he's not anti a rig. I think he's just anti a rig in tournament fishing. Which I, I guess I don't know that. This is probably something we should have talked about with him. I guess so. But yeah, either way, he it's an equal playing field this year for him, and uh, I know he's really looking forward to it. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, he won the uh, he he's won a tournament since the Alabama rig came yeah, out. Kentucky so Lake, it hasn't killed him. But it wasn't a factor in that event, though, and it's not a factor in every. Well, event. you know, the co angler winner of that event. Casey Martin. Some of his fish on an Alabama rig. It was Casey Martin. I know. Yeah. I know it was. Uh, Alabama rig king. But, so I, you know, maybe not, has it, bleh. I think you could see his AOI finish tick up this year. I agree. Even if he just fishes at the same level as he did last year. Because some people might come back a little bit, especially at Beaver Lake. Because they mm-hmm. like eating Alabama rigs there. Well, I think that about wraps it up for episode eight. Do you got anything else uh, you want to talk about? I've got nothing else. I just want to you know, cross my fingers that we don't get any more snow. I would really like it to be 65 like it is where he is. Yeah, it sounded that would, nice. It's, that would be a good deal. I could go here for Here in that. Minnesota, it's supposed to be a high of two degrees tomorrow. That's the high. Two degrees. Yeah, so, maybe. At least we're making ice. Sorry, Mr. Lefebvre. Well, we're but... making ice, but we've got a whole bunch of slushing crap on top now, too. So yeah. that's another not, potential not great issue. ice, but we're making ice. So, All right. Well, Jody, it's been fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Opogger. Jody, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, at VT Master. And, of course, you can find FLW at FLWoutdoors.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Pinterest, YouTube. on YouTube. I think that's it. I think that's it. So, yeah, check us out on social media. Oh, and, you know, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I should mention that. Tell a friend. I feel like we've forgotten that a couple times. If you enjoy what you're listening to, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. All right. Take it easy.